Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. My DBN family, I hope this transmission finds you well. My name is Thelonious7 and you're listening to The Opposition's Position on Dogs by Nature. Today on The Opposition's Position, we have a special guest. We are joined by Engraven Vids from Team Keep It Clean. This Sunday, the Cleveland Browns are taking on the Greater Chesapeake Ravens. Talk about rivalries, right? I remember back in the day, I was pulling for the Indians while living on the East Coast. And I would encounter rival Yankees fans. And I had a really difficult time processing anything these people had to say. That's why I feel like we're very lucky to have a guy like Engraven Bids on the show. He's a very fair-minded guy who only happens to hail from the Mid-Atlantic region. What's good, team? Keep it clean. What's going on, No Chaser? It's Engraven Viz here, representing Team Keep It Clean. Appreciate y'all even having me on here. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, I, I do really, really appreciate that, sincerely. So thank you for that. Um, what I do on my YouTube channel, Team Keep It Clean, I'm a Ravens fan, but on there we just talk about football. We talk about the latest and greatest events going on in the NFL, whether it's somebody getting traded, whether it's a game that we just finished watching, whatever's going down. We talk about it um, and what we do on there uh, is speak about it in an unbiased way. Uh, before some years ago, I used to have on purple shades with my Ravens. I felt like it was Ravens and that's it and they're the best team and this is why and da 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 And that's when they were just winning, 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 winning. They used to be in playoffs every year, but then I got humbled. I got humbled in 2013 when they missed out on the playoffs and then at that point I was like, wait a minute. Maybe Ravens really aren't the best team out there. And then that allowed me to start seeing things from a different point of view to where the, the bias was removed. Um, and that allowed me to really appreciate football that much more and appreciate other teams' greatness uh, and, and other teams' skills and just how, how good other teams could be. And that just opened the game up for me so much and it made me enjoy it that much more too. Um, so on my channel, that's what we do. We, we enjoy football and we talk about football. We do live streams. We do a lot of live streams. They come very random. Um, and again, we do, the, we do videos where we just talk football, talk whatever's going on football. It is predominantly Ravens, but it's a lot of other stuff on there too. So if you if you're interested, you could always check it out. Again, this is the channel name is Engraven Vids, uh, and his team keep it clean. So let's get into it. Well, I definitely appreciate the hustle. Thank you for taking the time to submit these responses. This is really fun. So let's get to the first question. At the beginning of the season. Did you think that you would be two games ahead of the team from Southwestern Pennsylvania? After three games of data, how do you think the AFC North will shake out? 
At the beginning of the season, no, I didn't picture the Ravens being two games ahead of <laughs> the team from Southwestern Pennsylvania. No, I, I didn't. I didn't see that because I just, with with how the uh, the season was gonna shake out. Um, I mean, no, we actually didn't know how the season was gonna shake out. Nobody knew that Ben Roethlisberger was gonna get hurt, except one of my guys did. Uh, one of my guys actually, he told me from the beginning of the season, he said he didn't think Ben Roethlisberger was even gonna make it to week six. And I'm once Ben Roethlisberger got hurt, I was like, ooh, uh, okay. Um, but no, because with, with Steelers, I, I figured what they do every single year is they they start off slow. They start off slow, maybe the first couple games, and then all of a sudden they pick it up. They pick it up, and it's like the first two games didn't even happen. Um, but now with Ben Roethlisberger hurt, that really just changes their entire dynamic uh, in the AFC North. Um, and after three games of, of looking at the AFC North, the way that I see it shaking out, um, I know Browns aren't done yet, man. Browns aren't done yet, and Steelers technically aren't done, but it's going to be really tough with them with Mason Rudolph. And this is going to be a big evaluating process for them, for them to determine if Mason Rudolph is really the guy that they want him to be, um, or even if they do want him to be that, because they, they may just feel like Mason Rudolph is just a backup. So we'll see how that goes down. But um, they are being forced into a new era of Steelers football at the quarterback position. And obviously, well, they got forced into the new era of football at the running back position uh, last year with Le'Veon Bell sitting out and then James Conner being the guy. And then, of course, life after Antonio Brown as well. So three of their heavy hitters are gone. So they're, they're now being forced into a new era. So do I see them being competitive? I do, but uh, at the quarterback position, um, he, he's going to get better. Mason Rudolph is going to get better, um, but I, I just don't see, right now, I don't see Steelers in it. And it is still early. Things could change, but I don't see them in it. With the Bengals, I know the Bengals, I, I still as bad as they have been, um, they are usually good uh, to give the Ravens one loss. Um, and they they usually good to, uh, to give the Bengals some trouble. And now with the Steelers... With the Steelers not having Ben Roethlisberger, Bengals could they could give them a loss too. So a lot of things are possible. It's going to come down to coaching. Um, so and, and they well they missing AJ Green though. So they they missing some heavy hitters too. It's like every team from the AFC North is banged up. But just to make a long story short, right now after three games, I, I do see the Ravens getting it, getting the AFC North right now. But it's still super early. It, it is it is super early because like you said it, it is just after three games um, after three games teams haven't really established that identity yet they still have a ways to go I would say teams really start to know who they are around weeks like maybe like five or six because that's when we have a, a real good amount of data a good amount of st statistics talking about those teams um, but right now as of right now I would see it going Ravens Browns uh, and Ravens, Browns, mm, and Bengals and Steelers as of right now. And of course, things are subject to change. Change, they definitely have, man. At the beginning of this year, I picked the Browns, Ravens, and Steelers to go 4-2 and two and the Bengals to go 0-6 with the caveat that the Bengals are no doormat. And they really aren't a doormat this year. 
But even with Roethlisberger out, the AFC North is no zombie division. So on to the next question. At Straight No Chaser, we've been keeping an eye on Lamar Jackson. From the jump, from the jump. He was a video game in week one. Week two, the production was great, but he seemed slightly more human. After watching this Sunday's game, do you think the league is starting to catch up with Jackson and the Ravens offense? After watching the the Chiefs game, the Chiefs and Ravens game, I would I can't say that the league is starting to catch up with uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense. Um, I I just think the Ravens didn't play their game. They they really didn't play their game. They I, I think the moment with John Harbaugh he that he he called a bad game. Uh, the offensive coordinator they they didn't establish the run early enough. They just kept I think they just kept trying to they kept they tried to come out there with their chest out they tried to come into kansas city with their chest out and be like hey we here we in the building we aren't scared we know y'all are supposed to be the top dog in the afc or one of the top dogs in the afc and we're not gonna back down but with them doing that they changed their entire game plan and they tried to be something that right now at the moment not to say that they're not, not to say that they can't be a high-scoring team, because this team has been putting up points. Like, they put up, what, 59 against the Dolphins, and I know it's the Dolphins, but still, Ravens don't put up that many points. Um, they put up 59 against the Dolphins, they put up um, 20, was it 23 against the Cardinals, uh, and then they, they put up 28 in this game against the Chiefs. Now, are those the best defenses in the world? No. But at the same time, me being a Ravens fan, trust me, I, we have, um, the Ravens, they, they do not score points like this, this consistently. Um, so, but they, 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 they just try to out-Chiefs the Chiefs instead of ravening the Chiefs. Um, hit them with the run game. And not saying that you can't come out passing too, but they didn't establish the run game enough. And then it was just some bad coaching decisions. Like from jump, they scored that first touchdown. And then they went for two. Like, what? That was that was dumb. That was such a, a dumb move. It was a bad move. And uh, it, it was just terrible, man. And I'm not sure why they did that. But, well, you know what? I am sure why they did that. Because, again, they tried to come to Kansas City with their chest out. And not saying that you should go into any game and be timid. Not saying that you should go into any game and be weak. I do love an aggressive team. And Ravens have been just that over these past three weeks. They've shown a lot of aggression. But at the same time, with you being aggressive, you also have to be smart. You got to be smart. Take those points. Take those points. Like the, the the first and the third um the first and the third two point conversion were they were just pointless in my opinion. Um but I, I don't think it's that teams have figured out this Ravens offense or anything like that. Um I, I just think it's that the Ravens, I think they haven't even figured out their offense. Or not that they haven't figured it out, but they just they they went away from what they do in that Chiefs game. Um and it just I think they should have just stuck with the formula, man. And not to say that every single game you're going to play every single opponent the same exact way because you can't do that. If you do that, then you're done. You're done. But you you still got to stick to what, to what works. Don't fix what's not broken because they ended up breaking their undefeated record by trying to do that. Do you guys have some kind of a nickname for the Ravens offense? No, <laughs> Ravens offense, they uh they definitely don't have a nickname. They definitely don't have a nickname. Um but if once they once they start 
really establishing themselves, then they should be able to be called a track team. Because they, they're fast. They're fast. They're very fast. Um, but no, nah, no nickname yet. Yeah, talk about fast. We get out on the field. We're going 100 miles per hour. After this short break, we'll be back with more from Engraving Bids. You're listening to the opposition's position on Dogs by Nature. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Opposition's Position. I'm your host, Thelonious Seven, and we're joined today by Engraven Vids from Team Keep It Clean. Every time I watch a Ravens game, there's always a moment when I catch a glimpse of Coach Harbaugh on the sidelines. You know, I'm always impressed at his ability to stay even-keeled while employing aggressive tactics and even counterintuitive strategies. I remember there being talk of him last year leaving. Was that like all smoke? What does he mean to that organization, and how do you explain the disparity between him and his brother? Now, the the talk of uh, John Harbaugh, I, I don't think there was talk of John Harbaugh leaving last year, but there was talk of John Harbaugh being fired and being shown the door. Um, and, and with that, it made sense. It had made sense because the team was sitting at four and five going into the bye week. Um, they looked absolutely dead. There was no life whatsoever in the Ravens. It was there was no life in them. They looked terrible. And it just looked like a team that was not going to be in it. And this would be because uh, the Ravens b- before last year, they hadn't made the playoffs since 2014. Now, obviously, John Harbaugh got the early playoff wins in his career as a coach and Super Bowl and all that, um, blah, blah, blah. So he had been to the playoffs six times. Um, out of 11 years or at that point because the 11th year wasn't finished yet Um, so with that being said he had a nice looking resume but again the NFL is what have you done for me lately and lately he just wasn't cutting it and I I always say this that with John Harbaugh overall he's a good coach but every single year without fail without fail he cost the team two to three games based off of terrible decisions. Every year, every year, he cost the Ravens two to three games based off of terrible decision making. 
and that goes without fail. So the talk about him um, being removed, it, it definitely was not all smoke. I really thought it was going to happen. And there was even one point where I even thought like even gone. But when when the Ravens, uh, when Joe Flacco got injured, um, the Ravens, they had been they had been wanting to get Lamar Jackson on the field. And I think that that injury, they, they, they used that to shift into a new era of Ravens football. Because with um, with Joe Flacco, when he was a starting quarterback, they ran all these goofy plays to get Lamar Jackson on the field. They had Joe Flacco lined up at wide receiver. They was running all these little gimmicky plays. And they were doing everything that they possibly could to get Lamar Jackson on the field. But when Joe Flacco got hurt, and even when he got healthy again, when Lamar Jackson became the starter, they didn't run anything to get Joe Flacco back on that field. They didn't. They 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 got what they wanted, and you could tell us what they wanted because they did everything to do it when Joe Flacco was a quarterback. And again, that was to get Lamar Jackson on the field. Um, and again, they got what they wanted, and he took over, and the rest was history. Uh, now, John Harbaugh, what does he mean to the Ravens organization? Well, he, the, I think the biggest thing that he brings the Ravens organization is stability. And like I said, he's not a bad coach. But again, those two to three games every year, he makes some bad decisions and they cost him. But with uh, with, with John Harbaugh, he, um, the thing about him, you can say a lot of stuff about Harbaugh. <laughs> you can say a lot of stuff about him. Um, and a lot of that stuff is true, but one thing about him is that he fights, or I mean, he brings out a fight in his guys. They fight for him. They, they, they fight for him. And with that being said, like even in the Chiefs game, for example, the score at one point, what was the score? The Ravens were down like 17 at, at one point, maybe at two points. But they fought and fought and fought and fought and fought, and they end up losing the game by five. Um, and... That look look at the last game that they lost the the Chargers game um, the playoff game the Chargers game in Baltimore they were down big throughout the game and they were down 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 and then at the end they they end up coming back they fought and even um I, the best example that I have for how how much this team fights for him is in 2015 from that season. And in that season, literally everybody got hurt. Flacco got hurt. Starting quarterback got hurt. Starting running back got hurt. Uh, cornerbacks got hurt. Linebackers got hurt. Defensive ends got hurt. Um, tight ends got hurt. Every like everybody. It was it was somebody at every every single position that got hurt. Literally every single position, I think except fullback. But somebody at every single position that contributes significantly got hurt. But the team, they went 5-11 that year. And out of the 11 games that they lost, only two of them were by more than uh, one score. So 9 out of 11 games that year, they lost by just one score. So with a beat up, banged up, bruised up team, they still fought in all those games. So John Harbaugh, he, he, he brings out a fight in his guys. So that is a uh, one really, really good thing about him. Um, and the, <laughs> uh, the difference with him and his brother, um, they, whew, I think with, uh, with Jim Harbaugh, he seems to not be as level-headed as John Harbaugh. And maybe it's a big brother, little brother thing. Um, 
and I, that that could be it. But um, he just seems to not be as level-headed as John, and, and it feels like um, just when you watch him, especially when you watch him with the uh, the 49ers, um, he a lot of times it just seems like emotions take over. And football, I mean, even as a coach, whether it's you, you're a player, you're a coach, it is very emotional, even as, just as fans. It's super emotional because we get invested in our teams. We want our teams to win, 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 win. When teams make good decisions, we cheer. When teams make bad decisions, we yell, we scream. It's very emotionally uh, invested. And with that, it, it, it's hard to separate the emotion from it. So I can understand why uh, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh is the way he is, but I, I think that's, that, I guess it's just the personalities, man. Their personalities are a little bit different. John Harbaugh, he's uh, very calm. Um, he is very, yeah, just very pretty lax. And Jim Harbaugh just seems more like uppity and whatnot. Um, so again, maybe it's just a uh, big brother, little brother type of thing. Um, <laughs> bro, you talk about some first world problems there, right? Two, two to three games, right? <laughs> two to three games. You know, I really love Engraven Video's response here on a lot of different levels, particularly his uh, inclusion of the emotional element into the discussion. But the one thing I don't like about this response is I don't think he said enough negative things about Coach Jim Harbaugh. Let's get to the fourth question. The Greater Chesapeake region lost two huge defensive pieces in free agency last year. In your opinion, how much of a drop-off, if any, has the defense suffered? And do you think the team still identifies itself as a defense-first squad? Now, we didn't even lose just two huge defensive pieces. We lost, I'd say about three or four, because we lost C.J. Mosley. Uh, Eric Weddle, well, I guess you can't really call it a loss because they cut ties with him. Um, but C.J. Mosley, Terrell Suggs, Zadarius Smith, uh, and then they cut Eric Weddle. The other three, besides Eric Weddle, lost him in free agency. So, with, with even just those first three, Terrell Suggs, C.J. Mosley, um, and Eric Weddle, that... That the losses of those guys, those guys not being on the Ravens anymore, um, it has been tougher than one may have thought initially. Like initially, and including myself, I'm like, okay, Ravens will be fine without those guys. Because Terrell Suggs, he's getting up there in age. CJ Mosley, smart, but he's not explosive, not an explosive uh, linebacker. Um, and Eric Weddle. Very smart, but he just, his, his body can't keep up with his mind. But the thing that those three have in common, Terrell Suggs, smart player, a lot of experience, but he's getting up there in age. C.J. Mosley, smart player, uh, good experience, but uh, he just lacks that explosiveness. Eric Weddle, smart player, but his body cannot keep up with his brain. Now, did you hear that? The one thing that all three of those guys have in common smart smart and smart they know the game they have plenty of experience they got plenty of knowledge and it's been showing that the Ravens are missing that right now even with uh, Jimmy Smith the Ravens starting cornerback he's injured Tavon Young Ravens starting slot cornerback he's injured 
But even still, we have seen so many times where Ravens may be missing somebody on defense, but they still get it together. Now, Ravens right now, they are more athletically gifted than they were last year on defense because obviously Earl Thomas, from Eric Weddle to Earl Thomas, that's an upgrade athletically. Um, and Earl Thomas got some smarts too now, so don't, don't sleep on that. But just the combination and the communication of an Eric Weddle and C.J. Mosey, C.J. Mosey, Terrell Suggs, Terrell Suggs, and it just it, it has made such a big difference because... Those guys, having those guys, you would be able to, um, they would be able to uh, compensate for somebody being lost on the defense. Like even when C.J. Mosley was lost on defense last year for a period of time, short period of time, but still a period of time, Eric, what, they still held it down. They were still fine without C.J. Mosley. They still held it down. Um, so, but right now we just, we're missing that experience. We're missing that experience on the defensive line. And again, that experience and that knowledge was on every single level of the defense. Terrell Suggs on the defensive line. C.J. Mosley with the linebackers and Eric Weddle in the secondary. So Ravens are missing that uh, big time right now. And as far as the Ravens still identifying as defense first, ah, things seem to be changing this season. Things seem to be changing because now it seems like the offense is having to bail out the defense a little bit. Um, but yeah, for right now, they are definitely defense first. Uh, nah. Wow, it definitely seems like a new era is emerging in the crab cake capital of the world. It will be interesting to see how this game breaks down. So, as the season started, we talked about how your organization emphasized the draft using almost a volume approach. You know, I, don't, I know it's only three games in, but what are the early returns on this draft class? We know about Brown, but how have some of the other guys fared? Yeah, Ravens do, uh, they do love to build through the draft, um, which is a good thing. In uh, some of the early returns that we've gotten this year so far, yeah, Hollywood Brown, for sure. Um, but other than that, nah, really hasn't been much because Miles Boykin, um, he was a guy that was getting a lot of uh, training camp hype. And with that training camp hype, I, I, I would tell people, I said, hey, it ain't nothing against him. But we heard all this before with different receivers, with different players. Like, oh, they look so good in training camp. Oh, man, they're going to be great. Preseason came. And I, and I always tell people, wait till you see the actual game. Wait till you see them in an actual game. So the game came about and he was dropping. He would make some plays too now, but... He was dropping a lot, and it was like, oh, man, come on. And then the regular season rolled around, and we still haven't gotten to see anything from him. He's been active in the games, and he's been out there a little bit, but we just haven't seen much from him. Um, the next pick was Jalen Ferguson. He was active for the first game uh, for the first time this season against the Chiefs. And he only got, I think he got like nine snaps. So, yeah, he was active, but he wasn't very active. Um, Eamon Marshall, that's a cornerback we drafted out of USC. Uh, he is on injury reserve. Um, Dalen Mack is a defensive lineman that we drafted. I, I'm not even sure if he's been active in a game yet. I don't believe so, um, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, so, yeah, as far as uh, our draft picks this year, 
So far, we have not gotten a major return on the investment. Now, if you go last year, then it's a different story. Because last year, we obviously drafted Hayden Hurst, Lamar Jackson, um, Mark Andrews, Orlando Brown Jr. So, we, we, we get in uh, the benefits of that draft this year. And even last year, they made a big impact early. So, with this, this year, so far, it's been a little bit slow. But we got to understand that it's a price. Oh, and Deshaun Elliott from last year, too. Now, while he hasn't made a huge impact this year, I expect next year to be where he takes over for Tony Jefferson. But, yeah, right now it's just been uh, the, the biggest immediate impact this year, draft-wise, has just been uh, Hollywood Brown. Because we even drafted Ben Powers, too, offensive lineman, um, out of Oklahoma, I believe. And he... Been in the inactive every game this season. He's been inactive. So we haven't gotten a major return um, out of our draft picks this year uh, at all. Orlando Brown notwithstanding, I totally see where he's coming from on this point. Uh, last year's draft for me, uh, I didn't understand Hayden Hurst. And you know Lamar Jackson was Lamar Jackson. But it wasn't even that. I mean, it was all the way down that draft class. It was exactly right. Orlando Brown and uh, Mark Andrews would have been excellent fits here in Cleveland for sure. We're going to wrap this edition of the Opposition's Position by asking Engraven Vince from Team Keep It Clean to put on that prognosticator's hat. In this Ravens-Browns uh, game that we got coming up this Sunday, I just I expect a fight, man. I expect a fight. Um, I expect, as far as Baker Mayfield... Um, I expect him to take a lot of chances because Baker Mayfield is just that. And that's another uh, another reason that a lot of analysts and media, um, they compare him to Brett Favre. Because he ain't scared to take any chances. He's not. He will make any, any type of throw. He does not care. He'll try to fit it in any window. He's a risk taker. He's a risk taker. Um, and that's one thing that you, you love but you hate about him if you're a Browns fan. Uh, and, and it's that, yeah, oh, yeah, he'll take some risks now. But at the same time, it's like, oh, he'll take some risks. So it's, it's like a, a bittersweet thing. Because uh, when it works, it works. But when it doesn't, it can backfire. It can change a game. And that's why he has been very uh, turnover prone. Now, another thing that I noticed about Baker Mayfield, he, he holds on to the ball for a while. He can, he can sometimes he can just hold on to that ball for forever. And that, again, that's, uh, I mean, it's part of the process. And he, it, it can be a good or bad, it can go either way. Um, because you hold on to the ball for a while, your receivers, they could be working downfield and they can get open. You can make something happen. But you hold on to the ball for a long time too, and a pass rush gets back there. Boom, they can knock it out. Um, so it, that can work both ways. But I, I do expect a really good game. Um, I, I got the Ravens edging it out by six. I think the score could be like 23-17, something like that. I, I think it's going to be really close. Uh, it is a division matchup, so you know how those go. Um, I expect the, the stadium to be rocking. Um, as far as Lamar Jackson and Ravens offense, I expect him to run that ball. Run, 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 run that ball. Obviously, incorporate the passing in there um, because I don't, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure what the status is going to be of a Denzel Ward, of a Greedy Williams. Uh, Demarius Randall, I know he's out of concussion protocol now, so I would expect him to play. 
Um, but if they can get those two cornerbacks, then if they can get those two cornerbacks back, then that would be good for them. Because TJ Carey, um, he's all right, but you obviously want better. Um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Kirksey being out is big. You know, he had his chest problems, so he's on uh, injury reserve. David Njoku being out is big. I know he, he, he's having his wrist problems, and he elected not to have surgery, so that's big. Um, so those are some big blows for the Browns. Now their offensive line has definitely not been the best offensive line in the world, but with the Ravens, their pass rush has definitely not been the best pass rush in the world. So in this game, something's got to give. Something has got to give, and I think uh, it, it may just be the uh, the pass rush, uh, the pass rush taking over for an offensive line that has not been protecting Baker Mayfield uh, the best. Um, Matt Judon, I expect him to be very active this game and sort of um, try to take that Ravens pass rush out of a slump because statistically they've been, um, it, well, it depends on what statistic you look at because they are number one in QB hits, but when it comes to sacks, uh, I have no idea where they're at, but I do know it's not good because they've been they've been getting back there. They just don't finish. But now if you're going to you're going against a bad offensive line, then you got to take full advantage. Um, now, I, I expect Lamar to get back on track with his receivers. Um, this last game, he was overthrowing them <laughs> like, whoo, he was overthrowing Hollywood a few times. He missed on a few touchdowns to Hollywood. Um, he was overthrowing even some tight ends in some plays. He overthrew him. So I expect him to hone it in this game, be a lot more relaxed. Um, but I do, like I said, I expect Ravens 23-17. Uh, so a, a, a close one. That seven points sounds reasonable to me. I mean, Vegas definitely agrees with that line. Uh, the thing for me, though, is Engraven Bids made a point on one of his videos where he stated that he felt that the Cleveland Browns probably wanted to play this game on the road and might be more comfortable in that environment than they would be in Cleveland. Now, I don't know if that's really true or not, but I think he has kind of an interesting point there. I feel like the embattled nature of the hype and all that surrounded Cleveland, maybe the Browns would be more comfortable in a place where they can be the true underdog. Maybe in that environment, we're going to see a different Browns team, but we'll have to see on Sunday for sure. In any case, Thank you so much, Engraving Videos, for making this piece. I feel like I'm a much better Browns fan for having this discussion and for making this piece. You've been listening to the opposition's position on Dogs by Nature. I'm your host, Thelonious7. Team, keep it clean. Any final words? So I appreciate you having me on. Um, thank you so much for that. Um, shout out to y'all. And I, I, I just, I appreciate it big time. Shout out to No Chaser in opposition's position. Thank you. This is Team Keep It Clean, and we out. Thoroughly enjoyed it, bro. Hope to have you back soon. You've been listening to the opposition's position on Dogs by Nature. I'm your host, Thelonious 7 Take care, and go Browns. Dog check. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. 
In the Vergecast series Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. This episode was supported by Reddit for Business. You want the right attention for your business, but you don't know where to get it. It should be a place where people actually take the time to engage with your ads. Why not try Reddit? They seem to have the whole engagement thing down pat. With over 100,000 communities, Reddit users are some of the most active online. Meet your potential customers where they feel most at home, with 90% of users trusting Reddit to learn about new products and brands. Just go to redditforbusiness.com slash vox to learn more.